0: Tonight on the Goblins' Corner, Jim Marcus, a frugal living enthusiast.
1: That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblins' Corner. My name is Eric, and I'm Matt. And tonight we're interviewing someone. Yes, we are interviewing Jim Marcus. Indeed, Jim Marcus is a frugal living enthusiast, event producer, writer, and game designer. He hunts deals for a living and designs games and hosts events in his free time. He's also worked in mortgages and at the height of the financial crisis and in recruitment during the recession that followed, all of those lovely financial times that we speak in. Now he spends his time helping others get the best prices for anything online. Jim, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here.
1: Welcome aboard. Yeah. So, first off, tell us a little bit about yourself and... Talk to us about the Frugal Living Enthusiast podcast that you have.
2: Yeah. uh, I host Frugal Living. So it's a podcast for smart consumers, uh, people who are frugally minded, people who want to get the best deal on everything. And lucky for me, I, I do a lot of interviews. So I get to talk about a lot of different things. I interview people about financial independence. And we also talk about things like dumpster diving. Uh, I've also done an episode on, and I think this will be more, much more relevant to this podcast, uh, tabletop role-playing games, oh. like how to find cheap entertainment, uh, you know, doing the thing that we enjoy doing.
1: Sure. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we actually have a question regarding that as well. It's true. Oh, fantastic. Yeah.
2: But
0: you know, things like dumpster diving definitely fit into the, uh, the whole realm of our,
1: Topics of interest, anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I'm okay. I have to know, like, what is the most interesting dumpster diving story that you've covered?
2: I mean, it's we've done one episode with someone who's kind of a dumpster diving expert, and talking to her was illuminating. I don't have a lot of experience with it myself, but her episode was incredible. Like, she talked a lot about food waste and how to. I guess, kind of think about dumpster diving in a different way. I think my first reaction is, oh, ugh, I don't know. But after talking to her, it was much more of a, oh, you know, why are we throwing out this much food in the first place? You know, what can we do to to not have so much food waste? And that really was, you know, kind of the heart of the frugal discussion as well.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know much about food waste, but I do know about, a lot of reusing stuff, especially in gaming. And I follow a lot of YouTube series where they take trash and they make something out of it. And I actually have been putting some of that stuff together. Some of that stuff you can actually see behind Matt there. But uh, it's so interesting how you could take like just cardboard or styrofoam or Matt's currently pointing at a house. Yeah, I was going to hold it up. Might as
0: well. Yeah, so for
1: nice. those of you who are watching the show and not listening, it is a house I made out of a Pop-Tart box. So... Uh-
2: for anyone who doesn't see it, this looks nothing like a Pop-Tart box. That's a really impressive kind of miniature house that seems like it'd be really good in a number of different games.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. It's Yeah, so this is stuff that you can do. And we're talking about, you know, making stuff cheap. This is a perfect example of some stuff that you can do. In addition, like dungeon tiles. And there's... Lots of people that do this. There's an entire yeah. crafting community that just takes trash and makes amazing things out of
0: it. At this point, there is literally years worth of content if you decide to oh. look up making uh scatter terrain or anything miniature-based.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm a huge fan. I've got a friend who got me into Star Wars Legion and that's a big thing of his. He just he started with like toilet paper rolls to make you know, major terrain for the, you know, six-foot-long game board you play on, which is, you know, you can't get much cheaper than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have something toilet paper based around here somewhere. I mean, yeah. Oh, the big... uh, Yeah. Behind me, he used paper mache on a big cave system using toilet paper.
2: Very cool.
1: We'll throw it up on our Instagram
0: at some point whenever I get finished painting it. But you actually design tabletop games as well, right?
2: I do. I released a game this year called Fortunes, the tarot card storytelling game. And it has been a joy to playtest it over the past couple years and an even bigger joy to see it out in the world. Something I never thought I'd see.
1: I am intrigued. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Talk to me. First off, I read tarot. Second, I I collect cards because I used to be a magician back in the day. So talk to me about this game. And I've got several tarot decks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you are the target audience. <laughs> I really I, am.
1: I'm going to be buying this like uh, when we're done.
2: <laughs> I am a very similar uh, type of gamer. Like I I also have a tarot card collection. Also had experience as you know a magician in the past. But when I look at the games that I like playing I started with D&D like a lot of people start with. And much more recently, in the past five years, I've really realized I spend a lot more of my time playing storytelling games, like story-centric, rules-like games, and that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to to create a GM-less game that gives people a reason to get together to tell a story. Everyone has their own voice, and we just give them the prompts to help them tell a collaborative story together. So it's it's very rules-light, but if you have a tarot deck or if you don't have a tarot deck, you just have like a deck of cards, you have what you need. Just, you know, get the rule set.
1: Give me an example of maybe just a real quick uh, run on on how it works.
2: Sure. So you start by building, you start by reading a setting. So if you get the, there's a PDF online or there's a book and the book has three settings in it. And the first setting is the seance, which is set in London, about uh, 120 150 years ago and you create the setting together everyone draws you, you draw one card and if you have experience reading tarot you can use that reading to guide this session's setting you know if if you've drawn maybe a card that tells you you know this is going to be an especially hopeful session if you stick together then that's going to guide every choice you make about the setting. Once you've developed the setting, everyone draws a card. That card is your character. You will name your character. You'll have a couple sentence description about them. But that card, that card represents your character for this story. I'm gonna be the tower and <laughs> wreck shit. I'm gonna be the hermit. <laughs> <laughs> that's Once awesome. It, it's really like a completely different game every time you play because sure. everyone has different styles of storytelling. So it's fun to see how different people interact with this, you know, very loose game system. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, that's the start of the game. The The middle of the game, the, the bulk of it is you draw three more cards, you hold them in your hand and those cards correspond with prompts in the book. And the prompts will then guide you through three scenes with your character ideally you'll have a kind of a beginning middle and end and at the very end you'll have one conclusion that kind of tells the rest of the story you know what happens to the characters after you know the events we've talked about tonight an epilogue yeah an epilogue absolutely that sounds great yeah it's it's a lot of fun you know and i've, I've played this many many times now and <laughs> it's
0: one would hope
2: very, very different every time, which is delightful. Even with the same setting, it's very different.
0: And what was the name of the game again?
2: Fortunes, the tarot card storytelling game. Okay. And you can find it at writingduels.com or at Indie Press Revolution or Drive Through RPG or itch.io. Uh it's out there and it's it's ready.
1: <laughs> Everywhere you want to buy it. Right. Want- <laughs> awesome. So, aside from the game, obviously, that you've created, what's one of your favorite storytelling games, whether it's D&D, Shadowrun, what have you?
2: There are so many. (laughs) The first, I think the first game that really broke my brain was Dread. Have you heard of Dread? Oh, oh yes. (laughs) We've done
0: an entire episode on Dread.
2: Fantastic. So, that, you know, huge story, you know, story-based game In the kind of genre, I I really love horror. I really love kind of like thrillery games. Dread definitely falls into that. But I also love having an artifact with a game. In that case, it's a Jenga tower. In the case of fortunes, it's a tarot deck. I like having something physical. And in many, many most games, it's dice, which are also fantastic. But Dread led me to even further down the storytelling path. Have you heard of Fall of Magic?
0: I have heard of Fall
1: of Magic. I have not read or played it. Oh, but I'm I'm gonna Google that as soon as we get off this interview. That's great. It's,
2: it's a game on a scroll, so you play on a map, and that map has story prompts for you. It's very loose, but it's easily my favorite game I've ever played in the storytelling space.
1: Nice. We talked a lot about horror games uh, last year, and one of the games we came up with, I don't know if you've ever played 10 Candles or not, but- I'm
2: aware of it. I specifically haven't, because I have a group that I'm trying to get together for it. Okay, so
1: it, not to to do too much, but it starts with 10 Candles in the dark, and one by one the candles go out, so you should definitely look it up. It is a fantastic game. I highly recommend that as well. If also, you like games.
0: since you like Dread, something I would like to suggest is you can make a Jenga tower out of two by fours and scale it upwards and play it as an outdoor game around a campfire, because that is significantly easier to balance than an actual Jenga tower outside. And that can be a lot of fun. And if you're drinking when you play this, it's even more
1: fun.
2: <laughs>
0: sure. Sure. You drink around the campfire, tell ghost stories. That's what you do. Yeah.
2: I love that idea. I went (laughs) camping last weekend. And while we didn't build a two by four Jenga tower, I really wish we did.
0: (laughs) I'm here to help for a given value of help. All right. So let's talk about cheap gaming. What do you recommend for new gamers when they're starting out to be frugal in their gaming experience?
2: Go to a store. So I am I live near Chicago, and there are numerous game stores which have game libraries and gaming nights. When you have game stores with game libraries and gaming nights, you have the opportunity to play a bunch of otherwise potentially very expensive games without paying for them. Uh, if anyone's around Chicago, places like Dice Dojo are like you know, the greatest libraries of games you'll encounter, indie games, popular games, and groups of people who are excited to try all of them. Nice. So hugely recommended to use the resources that are already there. These games are already open. There's usually someone excited to teach it. And it's a good way to meet people. It's a better way to spend, you know, an evening. That's probably my favorite cheap way to enjoy the gaming world.
1: I love this idea because you don't have to buy the game. Someone else already owns it. They're teaching you how to play. And this is a great induction into then if I want to get the game later on, then I now know the supplements to buy. I'm now a part of that world. That's that's a wonderful, it's a good social, as you mentioned, good, so, good social element as well.
2: Totally. It's a great way to, if you're trying to build your own gaming group too, I mean, gaming itself is a very frugal hobby, which I think is one of the reasons I'm drawn to it, and I think a lot of people are drawn to it. You know, even if you buy the game yourself, you know, a movie is, you know, 10 bucks a person. But if you're getting a game for 10 or 40 bucks and you're getting 100 hours of entertainment out of it, that value's fantastic. And even better, if you go to a garage sale or an estate sale and you find an old copy of D&D or Pathfinder or Mage... You know, you get it for a dollar, and you can get a hundred hours of that out of that too.
1: Yeah, you get a copy of uh, Fourth Edition, and you can, you know, prop up that old table.
2: <laughs> exactly that's, what Fourth Edition was made for. That's,
1: <laughs> Watts is going to hate us. Uh, no, they're not, because we're selling Fifth Edition. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, okay, what's your next project, by the way? Or do you have anything coming down the pipe?
2: So I have an idea for a game and a general like I, I have a game that's kind of holiday themed that I really want to get out by Christmas, but I don't know if it's going to be ready. It's I, I don't want to give too much away. It's kind of a, a social like a parlor LARP. Oh, and it's going to be a one pager. So really like short, but there's a lot of work to do on it. So I don't want to give too much away yet. You
1: get the LARPing chops there as well. Very nice. We, hey, we, I mean, I,
2: I'm I love it. I, are you LARPers?
1: Oh, Yes. Well, we were. Yes. We don't do it much anymore. I, I ran. I ran
0: Monster Town for a local LARP for a little while.
2: That's awesome. I mean,
1: I drank a lot uh, at Monster Town <laughs> for a local LARP. Made people roll their characters quite a bit as well, and that's. a Did I ever play a character? No. No, I just. played no. I just played. You monsters. always monstered, yeah. yeah.
0: Because we're terrible people, and people appreciated us being <laughs> terrible people there.
1: That's absolutely true.
2: I mean, you want to talk about another frugal way to LARP, though. Like, be an NPC. Be a monster. like
1: Volunteer. And that's something something that many people don't know anything about. Now, obviously with COVID, it's a lot harder to LARP right now, but when it starts clearing up, to explain to people who have never LARPed, it's D&D or Pathfinder or any other game, it's a fantasy game. Um, World uh, Darkness has their own LARPs as well and a bunch of others, Solar, Nero, and, and so forth. They've got their own games, but you run around in the woods, you hit people with foam weapons, unless you're Society of Creative Anachronisms, in which case you hit people with real weapons. Right. And well, you, wooden weapons, but sure. real enough. Bruises. And you play pretend. Sure. And it's a it's absolutely fantastic. You want to work out, you run around the woods as a monster and just mess with people, jump out of the shadows and scare the crap out of them. It's awesome. Or you could be like Matt and I and scream at the top of your lungs because you're two goblins with nothing but sticky paste and you have pasted all of the doors to the cabins shut.
2: <laughs> uh truly goblin goblin behavior. Yes. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> As you mentioned, we're here to help.
2: <laughs> I I love it. Are you guys are you familiar with like the, the the parlor larps, the kind of indoor just stand up from your table larps? Somewhat. So like I mean, I've, like I have
0: I've seen like the, the Mind's Eye Theater from the old World of Darkness LARPs and stuff okay, like that. Yeah. But other than that, I haven't seen any of the parlor LARPs.
2: I haven't I haven't done outside camping LARPs yet. But the ones I've done have been these a lot of indie LARPs just in someone's backyard or in someone's like house. Uh we've done pirates, we've done ghosts, we've done I mean, you name it, just like a bunch of weird little things. And many of them were on drive Through RPG. Just like download the the PDF and you'll have like, and really just for the GM. And then you'll have enough to, to host a party of five to 20 people with whatever situation you want to run. I can't speak highly enough of it. Uh, I haven't released any games like this myself yet, but yeah, huge fan of them. Always time. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully
1: this year. Now this is a great idea also if you just want to have some people over and enjoy some company and you know a lot of times when you have people over you have a couple drinks you might watch a movie you might play you know a board game but why not play a LARP? Sounds like a lot of fun. Sure.
2: Totally totally agreed.
1: Matt I believe you have a question of the week for Jim? I do. So uh, in our
0: show we do a question of the week and it's always just random stuff that I either come up with or
1: throw at everyone it should be noted by the way that half the time i have no idea what the question is which is why i always have like five answers to these questions
2: very exciting
1: (laughs) so your question is
0: you're an adventurer with a spunky intelligent sidekick which does not have to be a humanoid what is it and what is its name
2: oh wow spunky intelligent sidekick yep definitely a lawn gnome I think I gnome. want him to be called Henry, but I'll go with whatever he wants to be called.
0: Henry, the lawn gnome. So just to be clear, what we're is. talking about like one of the actual concrete lawn gnomes though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very durable. Sure.
2: Very like blends into the landscape. People look right over him, but he'll be there. Ready to stub a toe anytime I need him.
1: Does he? Is he animate or does he just kind of blockily just Ooh. clobber along?
2: Yeah, I, I think I think he has a hard time getting around, but he he moves. You know, he clop, he clops. Yeah,
1: <laughs> nice. He's got like a little brick that he stands on, and that kind of moves like the base on a miniature. Yeah, it's just it's just got a, he just walks absolutely. by his base. Absolutely.
2: Permanently glued to his base.
0: Is he part of the yeah. Lawn Gnome Liberation Front?
2: Now he is absolutely. Are you
0: aware of the weird... Lawn Gnome Liberation Front?
2: I I am not. Oh, he's you definitely need me.
1: to look that up. <laughs> Wait, it's... I'm not aware of this either. <laughs> oh, what is this? Is this? Uh,
0: Okay, so there's a group of people who have started, or and this has been going on for a while now. But they go and they steal lawn gnomes, and then they set them up in congregations in places with signs for the Lawn Gnome Liberation Front and
1: stuff like that. It, yeah, it's it amuses me. I've got more. That's amazing. I've got some fun party ideas now that you and I need to talk about later. I'm here to help. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Well, I mean, what about you, Matt, Eric? You, you've got to have answers to this yourselves. It's your question of the week.
1: Okay. Go for it, Eric. A spunky intelligent sidekick is definitely going to be a hedgehog. It's going to be... No, it's not going to be a hedgehog. I, I, it could be a hedgehog. But what I would prefer is a vulture named Siegfried so that I can teach him to eat dead things. I probably don't have to teach him very hard to eat dead things. One would hope he knows how to eat But he's dead going things. to be a vulture, and he's going to have, uh, what is it, the little, the little bow that Fred from Scooby-Doo has?
2: Uh, an, ascot. an ascot. An
1: ascot, is that what that is? Yeah, he's going to have a little ascot and and maybe some glasses, and I'll just be like, Siegfried, go eat that dead thing. And He'll be, Rah! just kind of swoop in, start feasting. And that's all Huge he does. Huge time
2: saver. It I is. Mean, normally, you have to like go around picking up all the spare bits from the dead bodies, mm-hmm. you got something to help that, you know? You can go right on to the next next room.
1: And and what kind of psychological advantage would I have? All he does is just lurch on people. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> looms over them and... Just weird. eyeballs them. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of gives them the side eye. Be great. All right, Matt, it's your go. I
0: would want an animate Heward's Haversack, but I want it to be like an asshole sorting hat. I can't believe you're putting that in me. <laughs> it's biff, the biff bag. But no, no, not, not a
1: biff. Not a biff. Uh,
0: no. More you know, oh that's disgusting. What are you doing? This is nonsense. Stuff and nonsense. So it sounds, <laughs>
1: sounds like an old Navy admiral from yeah. Britain.
2: Okay. <laughs> Highway rubbery.
1: That's <laughs> that's that's awesome.
2: That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I think we've got a good party here just with us and our sidekicks.
0: Absolutely. Just out of curiosity, since we've got, you know, one or two more minutes, what class would you want to be in a fantasy type setting? Mm.
2: Ooh. You know, this isn't the first time I've answered this question this week, which is, you know, what happens when you're camping. I think when you go with a bunch of other nerds. Shocking. You know? I know. Uh, I think what I settled on was I... I'm gonna lean pretty hard into bard. I think that's gonna be versatile enough for me, and mm-hmm. I still get to tell my stories. Nice. What about you? What does the rest of this party look like?
1: Uh, well, he's a wizard. I already I or mean, a scion if they ever make a scion for fifth edition. Sure. That that's that's a given. I've I've got the head for it. <laughs> it's, it's true.
0: You've already thought all your hair off. Yes. And I'm gonna be a
1: clairlock.
2: Fantastic. Yeah, that's a wonderful combination that doesn't seem to pose any, like, ideological issues at all.
1: Well, Jim, if you're ever in Atlanta, we will eventually do a camping D&D expedition. So uh, you'll definitely be invited to the bonfire for that.
2: Well, thank you very much. And thank you for having me on the podcast. It was a real pleasure to talk to both of you.
1: Jim Marcus is a frugal living enthusiast, event producer, writer, and, of course, game designer, and a whole lot more. Thanks for being on our show, Jim. Did you like this interview? We're on all the things. We have Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitch, which is... The, the,
0: which is Goblin's Corner. And? And we're also on Instagram, which is the Goblin's
1: Corner. Did you like our show? Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player, YouTube, or Twitch. Click those five stars. Give us a review on iTunes, YouTube, and Podchaser. It feeds our hungry algorithm and gets our show out to more people. That's all the time we have for today. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And we'll see you next time. Good night, folks. The Goblin's Corner has been written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Stavis. Music by D20. This is a subterranean production. Da-ba.